WebmasterRadio.fm has compressed thousands of podcasts and all of our radio shows into the ultimate internet marketer's knowledge base. Introducing the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app. Absolutely free and now available for iPhone and Android users. Listen to our live broadcast at the push of a button or access our complete archive of shows past and present like SEO 101, Affiliate Buds, The Shoe Money Show, The Daily Searchcast, and so much more. Download it from the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store today. Business is changing, and new marketing avenues are opening up every day. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show that brings you the innovators and trendsetters, taking us to a new age of marketing, media, and social business strategy. Welcome to Market Edge with Larry Weber. Get ready to hear perspectives on technology and integrated communications that will help you gain insight into the unique opportunities and challenges facing marketers and brands today. Now, please welcome our host, a globally known expert in PR and marketing, with more than three decades of experience and best-selling author, the host of Market Edge, Larry Weber. Hello and welcome to Market Edge. I'm your host, Larry Weber, Chairman and CEO of RacePoint Global, an advanced marketing services agency at the intersection of influence and action. Today I'll be talking about corporate identity and rebranding and design thinking with Michael Hendricks, partner at IDEO, an award-winning global design firm that takes a human-centered, design-based approach to helping organizations in the public and private sectors innovate and grow. At IDEO, Michael co-leads the Boston studio with Colin Rainey and the dynamic duo uses their complementary strengths to guide a world-class creative community. Michael personally contributes creative direction and strategy to a diverse portfolio, including innovative services, brands, products for fashion, furnishing, food, B2B, CPG, legal drugs, transportation, and even the feds. He is an AIGA fellow an honor acknowledging designers who have made a significant contribution to raise the standards of excellence in graphic design, and Marshall Memorial Fellow and a BMW Foundation alumnus, both acknowledging transatlantic leadership for political, social, and cultural issues. You can follow Michael on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash rmichael, R-M-I-C-H-A-E-L, so twitter.com slash rmichael. It's great to have you on Market Edge, Michael. Thank you. Happy to be here. Hey, you know, let's just start out with the basics. Uh, for those unfamiliar with IDEO, even though it's been around, I think, now 30 years or more, can you provide sort of a quick overview of, of the firm and uh, its background and what it's doing today and then uh, sort of a day in the life of uh, Michael Hendricks? <laughs> <laughs> be happy to. So, yeah, we, we began uh, roughly 30 years ago. It depends on who you talk to. It was a, a merger of three countries. Uh, countries, that sounds great, companies, but literally <laughs> British and American. So Bill Moggridge is one of those founders, Mike Nuttall and David Kelly. They all came together uh, and formed IDEO in the Bay Area. And uh, it really began as a combination of product engineering, uh, interaction design, and industrial design. And then <clears throat> over the years, uh, evolved, as you might imagine. So a client request, uh, one thing that the company may have uh, not had a capability in before, but with a can-do attitude said, yeah, we can do that. And the next thing you know, we add 
uh, human factor specialties, and then we add uh, brand design, then we add uh, space design, etc. And so you can imagine over the course of a couple decades, uh, the services of the company have broadened greatly. And uh, today, you know, we, we do design new services, new brands, uh, new products, new organizations, new businesses, and uh, have 11 studios around the world. So uh, roughly 650 designers at idea today. Wow. Oh. And what's a day in the life of, of Michael like? Oh, it, it runs the gamut depending on the week. <laughs> uh, since I leave the studio, uh, that can run anything from the, the uh, mundane things you might imagine about leaving uh, a business to the more fun things of getting to meet incredibly inspiring people, working with talent desi- the talented designers on the projects we have currently in the studio, uh, speaking engagements, etc. So it's a pretty broad, uh, ever-changing job that I have, and I, I, I love that variety. Hey, Michael, can you just give us uh, you know, one example of, of some of the you know, current design work you're doing? For, you know, and if you can't mention the client, that's okay, but uh, maybe you could just you know, give us a, a real-life example so our listeners can you know, sort of get a picture of, of, of what you do. Yeah, so we, we have um, a surprising variety of projects in the studio at any one time. Um, right now, we're, for example, we, we just finished a project where we're, we're trying to improve the immigration experience into the United States, uh, and that's a services and digital project uh, at minimum. Uh, com- compare that to another project we have where we've been working on um, a human organ transplant uh, appliance, or contrast that with helping um, a South American uh, technology provider create a new retail experience. They're they're pretty they're broadly different, um, and uh, really the thread that holds them together is a focus on creating great experiences for people, and then approaching that with a design thinking point of view that uh, requires a, a spectrum of the designers with different expertise to actually pull it off. What, you know, that makes me think a lot about um, one of the chapters in my new book that comes out in April. Is called, the book's called The Digital Marketer, but I, it, it, the chapter's around design thinking. And, and what I talk about a lot is, you know, the need to create these really compelling digital environments that, that keep consumers coming back and, or, you know, keep people interested and, and you know, and, and add you know, content uh, to the community, et cetera, et cetera. Does Ideal and yourself think the same way about the future of and importance of, of digital destinations and, and the way they look and feel and almost, almost like real life? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so in the, in the sense that it, it is definitely another, another uh, dimension of human experience that uh, I think initially was really just um, more of a communication channel or even a marketing channel, but I think today it's a, it's a place where people you know, virtually live. And so the, the care to those experiences uh, have to be uh, as, as defined and as detailed as we give them to the physical world at this point. Um, and I, I think that will only continue to, to be the evolution of the digital space. 
What kind of, this is a sort of a tangent, but what kind of education and training do you think makes the best IDEO, you know, designers? <laughs> uh, we, we, li we like uh, a lot of variety. <laughs> so um, I, I would say people who are uh, really uh, accomplished in a, in a craft or a discipline, but then also have a broad curiosity about what other people do, and even um, maybe a, a little naive ambition to go to try to do it themselves as well. Those are, those are the ideal people. If you look at uh, the hires we've made in the last couple of years, uh, they usually are people who have decided to have a second career. So they, they started in one industry. They went to school for one, one thing that they decided they didn't like after a few years. So they went back to school and found uh, some component of design to be of interest to them. And those are, those are really interesting people because they might have a, a physics background or a philosophy background or a psychology background. And then they think about uh, the application of that through uh, a design skill set. And uh, we, we get to find it. I think, I think the Stanford D School is actually a great example of producing people like that. So a lot of people find their way into the D School uh, because the, their, their undergrad degrees um, didn't really supply them with, uh, or didn't scratch the itch they had, and they thought it would, but it didn't. And they so they go back and they find new opportunities, and they find out that, oh, I really am an entrepreneur, or oh, I really am a, a problem solver, interested in a lot of things that I that were, I was limited by in my in my previous industry job. Yeah, how important is um, is is understanding how to use you know, new software tools in, uh, in the future of, of design? Um, well, so software is always adapting. So, you know, if, if what you're, if your output is determined by that software, you've got, you've got to learn it. I, I, I don't think everybody needs to know it, and I, and I don't think that software is the, the ultimate solution to understanding how to, to work in this digital age, but I, I think you definitely do need to have a good network of people that that are deep in it. You worked hard at creating an expressive and flexible identity, um, you know, it, as well as an identity that is more like a uh, platform versus system. Uh, I know my friend Phil Simon wrote a really interesting book, The Age of the Platform, but can you explain the thinking behind this platform versus the system? Yeah, there's there's actually two two major themes that that got us thinking that way. Um, the first is related to the the brief story of my youth group that I shared earlier with you, and that's that the company has evolved from a well-defined services organization uh, to what we really consider a platform model at this point. And by platform. Um, you, you can see the idea of the core business of consulting services. Um, but then you can also start looking at uh, things that might hint at how the IDEO platform can grow. So the D School is one of those examples where you know, David Kelly went and co-founded that. And uh, that has become an ed education platform for IDEO. Look at um, our nonprofit, uh, IDEO.org, uh, an another new kind of experience that IDEO can create. Or look at open IDEO, the crowdsourcing uh, platform of IDEO, and these are these are just the beginning uh, moments hinting at a broader diversification of IDEO's expression in the world, and that became really that became important for us to note um, because 
a brand has to be flexible, has to be able to uh, adapt to all these new expressions, uh, new services, new businesses, etc. The second was really this recognition that we're a global company uh, with uh, local and personal expressions of that brand. So, for example, um, I'm in the Boston studio at the Vidio. The way the Boston studio expresses the audio brand is different than the same way the Singapore studio of audio expresses the brand. So, um, that's really a, a social behavior that we wanted to acknowledge. Um, and we wanted to start to make sense of it through the brand rather than what I consider a traditional uh, attitude toward branding, which is trying to control the situation that everybody be conformed to it. Um, just for the uh, listeners' sake, I, the D school is at Stanford, correct? That's right. Uh, I, I heard that the president of Stanford had mentioned in a speech that he wanted uh, every undergraduate student to take, uh, take a course at the D school. Yeah, that's really amazing. Yeah. As you mentioned um, in an interview um, that I was looking at the other day, uh, the digital revolution enables us to create complex identity systems. When do you know once you've created the winning identity? So, you know, the one that's going to really, you know, help that brand do what it wants to do. Do you feel that companies have gotten out of hand with the ability to rebrand by overcomplicating look and feels? Uh, yeah, the the idea of the silver bullet, I think, is uh, pretty elusive, <laughs> in my opinion. And um, I mean, you, you see it all the time where companies are rebranding and they're they're putting something out that you know will refresh who they are in the consumer's mind. And um, I I don't know if it's actually possible to create you know, some kind of winning identity that's going to solve all your problems. It's, it's so much more complex than that. It's, it's usually a cultural issue when you're designing a brand, a cult, literally the, the culture of the organization you're designing for. And then um, your connections with consumers obviously are so much more multifaceted than just some kind of monolithic statement. But I, 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 for me, if a system could be the winning system, it would probably be uh, based upon its uh, adoptability. So, meaning rather than pushing out something that you you expect everybody to use, what you want to do is see a pull from everybody to use it. And that's to me one of the first signs of a strong brand story and a strong brand experience is that people are asking for it because they want it and they need it. We're going to take a short commercial break right now. Uh, please stand by, and we'll be right back with Michael Hendricks of IDEO and some more of this fascinating conversation. Market Edge will return in just a moment. Guys, are you suffering from FD, fulfillment dysfunction? Let MoldingBox.com's online portal system for inventory, tracking, and returns perform for you. We have the enormous tools you need for complete warehousing, shipping, and handling of all your packages, no matter the size or shape, directly to your customers. MoldingBox.com can also fulfill all your nourishing, nutraceutical, and smooth skincare product desires, including green coffee and Garcinia on demand. Plus, let our in-house printing and CD, DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything. Fulfillment, shipping, tracking, inside and out, and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy. And a bit 
There are many things we would love to catch. Catching the final out of a baseball game. And that's the ball game. Reeling that big catch of the day. Or catching a ride home. Taxi! How about catching more attention, like the biggest retail brands on earth? Introducing Catchy.com, where they sell short branded attractive.com domain names. Use a short and catchy brand, just like Sony, Visa, and Nike for your next business venture. You can even rent to own for as low as $100 a month. Catch a big break for your business with Catchy.com. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. WebmasterRadio.fm presents CEO Coach, a show custom-built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. Jellian Music, your CEO coach, will break down the art of business development from the ground up. CEO Coach, on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. We're back with more Market Edge, bringing you the best and brightest voices in digital marketing, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Once again, here's Larry Weber. Welcome back to Market Edge. This is your host, Larry Weber, and I'm here today with Michael Hendricks, partner at IDO, in their Boston studio, talking about corporate identity, rebranding, and design. Hey, Michael, who are some of your design heroes, whether living or dead or IDO or not IDO, and, 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 and tell us why. <laughs> oh, wow, that's, such a, that's a good question. Um, one of my favorites is Lester Beale. He's considered the, the, the first practitioner of corporate identity design. And you can go back and look at some of his early work with uh, Georgia Pacific for example, and, and see how he, he's one of the first people who started thinking systemically about how a, a, a brand could, could uh, represent itself through different channels. You know, so that, that meant, uh, it's hard to imagine, but imagine the first person that thought, oh, you know, you know the, the, the logo on our letterhead should be on the sign of the building, should probably be on the airplane, should probably be on the warehouse. And, and, uh, you know, that's a relatively new idea. That's only about a 60-year-old idea, if you can believe it. <laughs> so he's one of my big heroes. Um, Charles and Ray Eames, as a couple, are, one, are another set of my heroes. And uh, I think the, the diversity of their studio, um, again, is probably a forebear to a company like IDEO, who, they, you know, what their main their main service uh, was design, and it didn't matter what kind of design it was, they would take it on, whether it was film or exhibitions or furniture or uh, even new kinds of uh, services. They were doing that. Um, and uh, <clears throat> unfortunately, you know, design got pigeonholed um, 
along the journey, but I think I think now we're seeing a lot more diversification. I see in the, in the professional associations a lot more curiosity about uh, the combination of many kinds of designers together rather than the siloing of designers. That's really yeah. inspiring to me. Sort of like the MIT approach to homework, yet it's five people doing it at once. <laughs> well, that, yeah, and that's real life, isn't it? I mean, yeah. uh, we, n- none of us are solo superstars. Uh, we, we need each other. You know, I was thinking um, the other day, I would, took my youngest, uh, my son, to get a new iPhone. And, um, of course, the whole store was packed. And, uh, but we, we got through it pretty quickly. And I, I looked over at uh, across the, uh, or the uh, uh, way in, to the Microsoft store, and there was nobody in there. Uh, do you think that has something to do with design? Um, <laughs> probably, prob- probably. I mean, I, it's so more complex than just the space. You know, yeah. it's, it has a lot to do with uh, the perception of the brand, but the perception of the brand is affected by the way the products are designed, the way the 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 user experience is made for the softwares, the the way it empowers consumers to do the things they want to do. So. Um, I guess you would you could say that you know Apple has a lot working for it across all that whole spectrum, and Microsoft doesn't right now. And uh, doesn't mean that uh, it can't it can't change, but there's certainly the the tide's going that way. And, and just to follow that a little bit, if I, I would imagine if I was in that mall and and I asked ten people, you know, about design and they would probably say Apple and Steve Jobs. Is that fair um, uh, to everybody else that's working in design? <laughs> I think so. I think it is. I mean, you, if you ask uh, anybody, even in the design world, to ask a brand they love, Apple's always going to come up. And, and I think it's because as a company, they have a very strong, view, strong point of view about what good design is. And the their whole company is organized around delivering that, and that's that's you know unfortunately really unusual. Most companies aren't organized around that strong point of view about what they believe and what they want to produce. Um, so uh, you know if you're going to pick if you're going to pick a icon, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. Hey, um, I'll get back to some uh, branding questions I have for you, but uh, it just came into my mind because I was reading a paper by McKinsey, you know, the big consulting company, and, and the, one of their big pushes right now is design thinking. And it's a lot different than what most people think of as design. Has IDEO already been involved in that type of design thinking, you know, for 30 years, and it's really nothing new? Or do you guys even care about that? Oh, we love design thinking, <laughs> and I would say, you know, has IDEO been doing it for 30 years? Yeah. Um, are we more articulate about it today than we were 30 years ago? Yes. We can teach it now. We couldn't teach it. We were doing it intuitively before. Now we can actually teach it. And I think the D school is a great example of teaching that. Or if, if I think about a lot of the work we do here in in our studio in Boston, it's a lot of uh, education of our clients as much as uh, creating something for them. And I. And I think that's a really nice uh, way forward because, I mean, as far as we're concerned, if you know, we 
if we can teach more people to think like designers or have the creative confidence of a designer, you can uh, actually spread uh, an amazing skill set across the broad community. And because of that, you're going to see a better quality of life for everybody. So we, we freely open source that. We have um, several design thinking toolkits online that are available for free. Uh, Tim Brown wrote, um, our CEO wrote a book called Change by Design, which is all about design thinking. Um, and then we just launched a new book called Creative Confidence, um, again, about uh, really the attitude behind design thinking. I love that book, by the way. Um, just terrific. Um, I, I know it's a ways away, but what are your thoughts about the future of corporate identities? And what do brands need to do in order to be relevant and ever-present? Um, well, it's hard to predict the future for sure. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, think, I think some of the things that we're seeing, some patterns, is you know, a, a move from a, a monologue, a brand being a monologue, pushing itself out to the world to a dialogue uh, so that there's some kind of reciprocity between uh, the brand and the consumers. And I think uh, if, if brands can be designed so that they are more flexible, that they are creating meaning for people, that they that there is reciprocity, that both sides are learning. Um, then you can start. What you start to see is a powerful brand that will connect the communities of people together. Um, and uh, to me, that's what's really important about branding and the future of brands. I think quickly conversations usually gravitate toward graphics, you know, or taglines or or advertisements. And well, I think all of these things are important parts of the ecosystem. It, what you really want to design are great experiences for people that, are, that have um, uh, alignment between them, whether you know, what, what they are promised by the brand is actually what they experience with the product. Um, and again, if you, if, you, if you wanted to bring up Apple, I mean, they, they've been pretty good at that, of promising great experiences and delivering them in the products. And, and when they haven't, you can see, you know, like when they launched the Maps app, you know, everybody was really disappointed, you know, basically because the promise of Apple, you know, made you assume that that was going to be a great application and everybody felt let down by that. So that, that's a, a pretty good example of when, when those things are misaligned, it can cause you trouble, but when they're aligned, you have um, amazing connections with your consumers. I remember when we were um, working on America Online in the early days, um, as a client and they had some advertising guys from Chiat Day and the conversation actually went on to that the future of brands was the conversation a brand had with its constituencies and the stronger that conversation, the stronger the brand, the weaker the conversation, the weaker the brand. It sounds like that's sort of what you're talking about. I think it is. I, I would probably take it one step further and say that they have to be meaningful conversations. So. You know, when the, the, short, the short-term way of determining whether, say, an advertising campaign was effective or not is to look at the, you know, the buzz online, right? And quantifiably, are there more people talking about it than they were? And to me, this is actually part of one of the biggest challenges with living in this 15-minute uh, celebrity culture. So, you know, it, you'll see a celebrity do something bad to get buzz, <laughs> 
but it's not meaningful. So there's a lot of conversation, but it's not meaningful conversation, and it's not enriching people's lives. Brands will try to do the same things sometimes. They'll try to they'll redesign their packaging so people will, will quote talk about it, you know. But that that doesn't actually make a better brand experience for anybody. That's just a small bump in a quarter. And I think if you if if you think short term, those are the the behaviors that will continue to happen. But if you think long term, and you start thinking about building customers for life, and you start thinking about meaningful interactions you can have with them, you actually can have a much more loyal customer. And that I think that's what we're interested in. Idea we we don't tend to think about short term gains. We really do think about the long haul. Um, and quite frankly, it's hard for a lot of organizations in a in a financial culture that wants quarterly results. So, you know, people are in jobs for a short period of time. There's a lot of pressure on every board to deliver a new new revenues or new profit every quarter. Um, and it's hard to think about the long-term value of what you're investing in. But I believe it's more important than ever because as everyone's in this cycle of short sprints, you know, the companies that invest in the long term will be the ones that uh, come out of it strong in the end. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, just a couple more questions, and then I would like to end our conversation with sort of a, a little lightning round, and I'll explain that in a minute. Um, tell me your thoughts on responsive identities, and also what is a responsive identity? Well, when we began redesigning the IDEO logo, it's about a year ago, um, we had a hunch that maybe we knew, for one thing, that because IDEO is evolving and we are becoming a platform, uh, and because we are global, the identity itself and the way it was expressed needed to respond to the audience it was with. So to think, think about that in terms of <clears throat> a human. So we have different wardrobes that we wear for different occasions. You know, like I'm, I'm you know, casually dressed for work today. What I'm wearing is not what I wear Saturday morning. Or if I were going to go, uh, you know, to a, a, a state event, I would I would... I would dress up uh, in a tuxedo. And, uh, and I think from a graphic identity perspective, our question was, can you start to handle the communication of a company in the same way? And so, you know, the, the first place you go mentally is digital, right? Because you think, well, may, maybe uh, through um, data analytics and uh, animation, uh, you can start to express uh, the appropriate... Uh, brand voice for that appropriate moment. But I think the reality of it is, we as we got into it, we found out that, you know, um, ironically, if you're if you're trying to be adaptive through technology, it's still a it's still a cold response. It's not a warm response. Like ultimately, what you need is a human response to uh, each of these situations. So we started thinking about being responsive differently instead of thinking about. Uh, a big data approach, so to speak. We started thinking about uh, personal moments uh, and brands being these connections uh, from one person to the next. So for the most part, what we're trying to do with our identity now is empower every individual within IDEO to express that brand uh, at a, through a personal, a personal uh, level, a local level, and then some kind of a continuity at a, at a global level, which sounds a little complicated, uh, but the way we've done that is we've uh, basically stripped our identity down to its bones and then started writing some cultural values uh, that we'd like people to consider as they use uh, that foundational expression of the ideal identity. Speaking of that, that makes me think about, you know, 
your rebranding process has come across as seamless and spirited, et cetera, et cetera. But in real life, there's got to be some bumps in the road. How do how do the teams at Ideal become so sort of seamless and integrated in their in their thinking? Uh, it's uh, through a lot of inclusive conversations. So uh, the the identity redesign is a great example. So we we began a you know a small a small group of us decided it was time to do it. But then the question is how? Well, the first thing is involve the entire company. So we 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 did a 24-hour make-a-thong around the globe, um, and it started uh, uh, in uh, Tokyo, and it worked us all worked all the way around to the Bay Area, um, and we made that public. So not only were we including all of IDEO, we were including anybody in the world that cared. They could comment on it. So we went. There's a blog called Core 77. We published everything on that. We also made a Tumblr. Uh, where we, we made updates along the way um, after that make-a-thon. Then uh, when it was time to take all that input, we put a small team together in Boston. Uh, that team, there was uh, actually some locals, a guy named Kevin Grady who was at Mullen for a while, uh, Mitch Sinclair who was at a place called Hunt and Gather, um, and a guy named Nick Dupay. Uh, they started working on it here, and uh, we quickly brought in an advisory board of other designers from around IDEA, from Chicago, from London, uh, from Munich, from San Francisco, uh, and uh, started to get input uh, from that broader group. And then eventually even made a Google Plus community and invited all the comm designers, uh, graphic designers, within IDEO to also start using the system and start working on it. So you can see it's a really inclusive process where a lot of people have uh, been able to, to give their input and shape the work. Um, now ultimately when it launches, will everybody agree with it? Of course not. But uh, it's actually designed to evolve. So we haven't made some great declaration of like, congratulations, everybody. Here's your new identity. What we've actually said is, here's a new starting point. We want to see how this evolves through use over the next year. Um, and we're going to reflect on it over a year and come back to it again. And then maybe we'll point out some themes that we believe are, are exemplary of the cultural values of IDEO expressed through this visual identity. That's a great answer. Thanks, Michael. That uh, half hour goes quickly, but I, I did want to now and then I do a little fun last question, or I call it my little lightning round. And all I like to do is I'm going to name some iconic brands, and all I'd like you to do is through the ideal filter and the Michael filter is give it give it a grade A B C D or F. Um, I'm going to start with a, a company that is really trying to, I think, take over the heart and soul of the Internet, uh, and that's Google. What grade would you give them on their approach to design and branding? Uh, that, that's, a, that's a very complicated one because they have so many different products and their, their fingers are so many things right now. But I, I would say they – I don't know what their grade would be. I would say it's dropped, and I would simply say that because um, – Whereas they started out saying, do no harm, I, I think uh, like many technology companies, technology moves faster than social comfort. And a lot of things that we're wrestling with socially around privacy, around access to data, Google is on the forefront of stretching us. So uh, I would give them a grade drop. I, I won't give them a letter, though. <laughs> Amazon. Uh, they seem they they again another company that's stretching us, but probably in a very comfortable way. So they're they really are discovering latent needs. 
Um, and they're doing things that don't seem as scary, although I would probably say they're doing the same thing Google is in the end. So uh, I will give them an A. IBM? Uh, they get an A. They're, they have done an amazing job of reinventing themselves. If you look at their history, I mean, what, what a dramatic uh, shift from a hardware maker to a consulting company. Um, and I, and I, love, I love the way they talk about themselves right now and the way they share data. They're trying to help us make sense of big data in the world, and they're, they've been pretty open about giving good tools to the public to understand why that matters. Apple? Uh, yeah, I'm, I must be. I'm, I'm an easy teacher, I guess, because I'll give them an A, too, <laughs> for all the reasons we talked about earlier. And the last one, IDEO. IDEO. I think uh, I'm going to be harder on us and give ourselves a B. <laughs> and I think it's because we're, we're in a transition. Um, we talked a lot about the identity today, but I mean, the identity is only a, uh, an artifact of a bigger cultural change that we're working on where we do move into a more exploratory chapter of this company. So uh, once we get to this transition, I'm confident we'll improve our grade to an A. Where can the listeners go to uh, learn more about IDEO and everything IDEO is doing? Just go to the website? Or? Uh, yeah, if you go to IDEO.com, it, it's uh, a, a portal now to a lot of different IDEO websites, and it's probably the best place to start. Um, and then uh, you can, you'll find things like IDEO Labs or Open IDEO or um, even to the Tumblr. We have, we have something called Six Themes, the Six Themes Tumblr that has the whole IDEO redesign story on it. You can go there, go there and read it. Michael Hendricks, thanks for what you do, and thanks for representing IDEO as well. Uh, important stuff, and again, thanks for being my guest today. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for asking. And thanks, everyone in the audience, for listening to today's conversation. If you have any questions or would like to talk further about the topic of today's shows, feel free to connect with me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Weber. Visit webmasterradio.fm at 12 noon Eastern Time on Tuesdays to tune in to episodes of Market Edge or any time after that that you would like to listen. This is Larry Weber. Take care. Bye-bye. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.